recorded live in the Phantasmo Lounge, high atop the Alex Murphy building in beautiful Midtown Portsmouth, Virginia. It's Phantasmo After Dark with your host, Rob Floyd, and co-host, Phyllis Floyd. Tonight's topic, Buckaroo Banzai. Well, hey everybody, we're back. <laughs> Welcome to the old podcast again here. After a little hiatus, we're back, hopefully on a regular schedule now that all the holiday and business and stuff is over. Hey, Phyllis. Hey, Rob. How are you doing? I'm great. <laughs> How are you? I'm okay. Man, yeah, tonight's one we've been talking about, talking about for a while now. I've been wanting to get on here. The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. One of our personal favorites. Love Buckaroo Banzai. Oh, yeah. This is the first movie we sh- we we showed, A Phantasmo Cult Cinema Explosion. And the last ago. movie And the showed. last movie we showed. Yeah, we folded that just a few weeks ago. This is a, a really interesting movie, and it's hard to define what it is. Is it science fiction? Is it action adventure? Is it comedy? Is, is it a little bit of all three? Yeah. It's all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> and it's one of those movies, too, that it seems that, for the most part, well, I can't say, it's not one that you love it or hate it. It's either you love it or you're indifferent to it. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I've never met anybody that hates it. Yeah. And, I've but, met a lot of people who don't know what the hell it is. Yeah. And it's hard to explain it to somebody what yeah, it is. Very true. Because it's a lot of stuff going on, and it it's one of those that it, you jump into it in the middle of the story. Right. More or less. Yeah, it starts off in the middle of this character's history, and you really don't get any backstory in the movie. You just get snippets of conversation that refer a little bit to the backstory. You know, but it's not spoon-fed to you. Right. Like, here's his origin, or here's a flashback of how he became who he is. You just hop on the ride as it's going and ride it to the end. Yeah, like comic books used to be, kind of. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, it's not re- constantly rebooting every, you know, five minutes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I think that's one of the things I really, really like about this movie is it's, you know, you got to be kind of quick on the uptake and to just jump on in the middle of this. Yeah. Well, they don't play down to you or they don't talk down to you. They just assume that you're going to pick up on what the hell's going on and uh, watch the movie. Yeah. You've got to be smart enough to watch it. Yeah. You know, and I, I appreciate that. I'm we're, I'm not a dumb audience member. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I know that you're not. Well, I appreciate that, Rob. <laughs> this is one we've watched. We've seen over the years. We've seen this quite a few times. I'd Before we got together, I'd had it on VHS for a number of years and then and watched it. Now we we just got the uh, the new Blu-ray release of it, which, which is, is beautiful. Uh, it is pretty. A lot of extras on the, on the disc, and well worth the. It was actually it was pretty inexpensive. It was I think. yeah, it was very reasonable. I I don't think it was much over twenty bucks, if that. I yeah. don't know. It was it was very reasonable. But it's right there on Amazon. You can pick that up, and uh, I highly recommend it. And so far, we haven't said really anything about the movie. <laughs> we haven't. We just go on about how wonderful it is. Wait, first, okay, first off, let's take the cast, okay? You've got Peter Weller, who everybody likes Peter Weller. Of course. John Lithgow, mm-hmm. who's always, you know, fantastic in anything he's in. Mm-hmm. And then you got, you know, the side players all around, Clancy Brown, mm-hmm. uh, Pepe Serena, who's been in tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even Yakov Smirnoff has a small part in this, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher Lloyd, mm-hmm. Dan Hedaya, oh, what's the, uh, Vincent Chiavelli, who's been in tons of stuff. Good character actors, all of them, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, what's the guy? Carl Lumley. Carl Lumley, yeah. 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 Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum. How could I leave him Jeff, out? Can't yeah. leave out Jeff Goldblum. Uh, New Jersey. 
And so it's got a really and kind what of... what was uh, Penny's... Um, oh, Ellen Barkin. El, yeah. As Penny Pretty, yeah. So it's got a an eclectic group of people. Yeah, and I'm sure we're leaving out people because there's a oh, yeah. ton of freaking people in this movie. Which, you know, it, it's really... It works for the type of movie this is in the story. You have this kind of off, weird, eclectic group of cast. Mm-hmm. It's not all star players, but they all have a, a history of, of... What am I trying to say here? <laughs> they're they're all well known for they're, well they're all, they're all well known but they're not a listers superstars you know yeah. so much but they've all had a body of work before this yeah and but, after but nothing that put them over the top you know yeah. but since then they've all gone on and done lots of different stuff right, uh, right. most of them anyway yeah but it's uh, let's see Buckaroo Banzai how do you describe Banzai the character he is a neurosurgeon nuclear scientist astrophysicist. Rock and roll, uh, guitarist, adventurer, martial, martial artist. artist. <laughs> yeah, he's a a man of many talents. Yes, and yeah. he and well respected by everyone. Everyone, the president of the United States. Yeah, uh, everyone. Well, and he's known around, uh, the, around world. the world. Within the story, there are, is Buckaroo Banzai comic books right. about his exploits and his group of uh, scientists, musicians that hang out with him and work with him at mm-hmm. the Bonsai Institute, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, yeah. which is the name of his band. That, and then there's the the whole fan club. There's not just a fan club. Well, yeah, the Blue Blaze. The Blue Blaze Regulars. Yeah, Blue Blaze Irregulars that are like on-call Minutemen yeah. if Buckaroo Bonsai needs any help anywhere. Yeah, they jump on board and help yeah. him. Via uh, radio or ham radio or something. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's really neat the this character's history and, and and stuff like that throughout the movie that he has this network you know and it really pulls from a lot of the old pulp novel stuff mm-hmm. from the 20s 30s 40s and in particular doc savage cuz doc right. savage was a musician an adventurer mm-hmm. a scientist and he had this group of guys with you know nicknames that had this particular expertise in different areas you know that would help him out so it's kind of mirrors that a little bit yeah so what were some of the so what were some of the names that everybody had so there was there was pretty tommy no no perfect tommy i'm sorry perfect tommy yeah. penny I was pretty talking about yeah i was thinking of penny <laughs> i mean he, he could have been pretty I don't he know. was pretty <laughs> uh perfect tommy rawhide mm-hmm. pecos <sighs> what's some of the others the rug suckers no, were right. a couple of brothers and then the, yep. the kalani brothers were that's not a nickname and that's who they were yeah that's what they go by as long as, oh, New Jersey. New Jersey, yeah. yeah. And I'm sure there were others. If you read the book, and they did this novelization after the movie, so the script had been written, and they did this novelization, which really fleshed out the background and gave you more uh, on Buckaroo Banzai's history with Hanoi Zahn, or Sean, and the World Crime League, which you see that at the end. You know, I don't think they reference Hanoi Sean in the movie, do they? No, they're, they're deleted scenes. Yeah, well, I don't the, even know if it's in the deleted scenes. That was in some of the extras that we saw. Yeah, it was where deleted they, scenes. They, and they get more of his background with his parents and all that. And, of course, it goes into more you know, about all the other characters. And stuff. It's been a long time. It's been well over 20 years since I read it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't mind reading it again sometime. Maybe I'll try to find us a copy. Marvel actually did a two-issue comic adaptation of the movie when it came out, but that didn't give you any extra of anything. Okay, so the movie starts. You're in, out in the desert, and it's like a little complex with a lot of vehicles and a bunker, and there's a countdown going on, and they're waiting for Bonsai to show up. He's not there yet. And then we switch over to a hospital, 
where he's consulting on some kind of brain surgery with Jeff Goldblum's character in New mm-hmm. Jersey. He's performing it, not consulting on it. Well, he called him in to consult. Now he's performing <laughs> it. And then it goes back to the bunker, and all of a sudden Banzai shows up, and you find out he's they're testing this jet car that's supposed to go 500 miles an hour. Right. And that's all we know. Yep, that's all we got. So far, I, the movie opens up with that, and you're like, who is this guy? Yeah, what's, what's going, going on? What's going on? Why are they, you know, who's... Okay, you get an idea of who's with him and who's the government people, you know. Yeah. And without going into every single bit of this plot, you know, he gets in the car, he takes off, he goes up to 500 miles an hour, and then he strays off course and miraculously turns on this oscillation overthruster that he and his... Yeah, he and his crew knew about, but the government people didn't. And you see this beam, this like laser beam going out of the car into the side of this mountain. Yeah. And he ends up going through the mountain. Now, not boring through the mountain, yeah. but like merging with the space inside the mountain and yeah. driving through it that way. Into the eighth dimension. Yeah, which is the whole plot of the movie. Exactly. <laughs> so not to give go through detail by detail the whole plot, but it goes on. Of course, the government's inter- interested in the oscillation over thrust- thruster, but that's just a small part. The major part is the aliens from Planet 10 by way of the eighth dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, there's black electroids and red electroids. Lithgow's character, oh man. <laughs> we don't so need to go. On. We don't need to go into all of it. The people just need to watch yeah. this. Lithgow's movie. character is something to behold. His performance. It's a. Ama- it's fantastic and fun in this. Not for while you can, monkey boy. And the black electroids are trying to get back to Planet Ten. The red electroids are trying to stop them. And we're Earth is caught in the middle. Right. Enter Buckaroo Banzai as Hong Kong Cavaliers to save the day. Now, that's really an oversimplified. Superly oversimplified. It doesn't even touch on what's going on in this movie. No. Basically, if we don't save the day, the electroids are going to blow up the planet. So we have something at stake here. We have to, Buckaroo's got to save the day. But anyway, hijinks ensue. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. And you get little bits of each character to kind of figure out who they are. Mm-hmm. And what the role with the team is as it goes on. Buckaroo Banzai, his compound, the Banzai Institute, you you see a lot of that. And it really isn't that impressive as far as it's not like high tech looking. It looks very old tech looking. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot going on. You know, there's a lot. It's a huge compound. You get the impression. You don't see the overall compound, but you see him going through different rooms. Different rooms. The East Wing and the West Wing and this, that, and the other thing. So you get an idea of there's a big place here that they work but it looks like uh really cluttered and unkept and like a bunch of you know geniuses who don't have time for that work there you know? yeah yeah <laughs> which is exactly what it's supposed to be right um it's unimpressive as far as set design and all that because it doesn't look like a a big high-tech compound and yeah. complex it just looks kind of normal yeah it looks like a like a old a big old school that they took over or something, you know, and use old college and yeah. they use all the different rooms and the, you know, the science wing and all that. But you know, none of that ever was a problem for me. No. I mean, it, it's not about that. No, I think cause the characters are so likable and, yeah. and the actors have charisma, Yeah, you know, that projects and the right. story is just neat. It is. And those pulp stories like that, like the shadow and doc Savage and all those characters have been around forever and have been, redone slightly or or put a completely new face on them but it's the same type of story being told yeah you know so i think that's one part of it 
that kind of plays into it subconsciously. People don't mean you, know, you might not even think you know recognize or think of until it's pointed out, just like I did just then. <laughs> you know, that's another one we're gonna have to talk about sometimes. Doc Savage, that movie. Well, we'll have to do that. That was that was kind of. I remember watching that the first time not long ago, and uh, well, a few years ago at Phantasmo, and really enjoying it. We'll put it on the list. Now, you know, when you talk about this movie, and it's hard to explain it to people, like we said earlier, really, uh, to somebody who's never seen it. It's mm-hmm. really difficult to explain it because it's so convoluted, but it's not convoluted and it's difficult to understand. No, but you have to pay attention. But you have to pay attention to the story because there's lots of little bits of things going on. Yeah. But it's not difficult to understand. It's not distracting. Mm-mm. You know, it's a fun, enjoyable movie to watch. Yeah, it's not which boring. Which is weird that to, to explain it. I mean, I could sit here and explain the whole plot and it would take a little while. Sure. And that would be kind of boring. Yeah. You know, <laughs> as opposed to just watching it and enjoying it. But, because there's so much to see visually, and the characters yeah. and the the actors add so much to their characters, yeah. you know, to to hear the story itself is not super exciting, but it yeah. really does give a lot well, it's to like the show. They, they've talked over the years about a sequel, a sequel, a sequel. It's like I can't picture anybody Peter Weller being Bucker Bonsai though, yeah, or the other characters, you right, know. Right. I'm sure somebody could, yeah, but it's maybe. just hard to picture it. Now, talking visually, how visually exciting it is when it, it kind of is, and it's kind of not. It's very kind of bland, bland and plain as far as the color palette and everything they chose to work with, mm-hmm. except the bar scene. Oh, that's it's true. A lot of neon, neon. And a lot of color popping all around. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason for that. I found out doing some research. What is the reason for that? The camera, well, director of photography, cinematographer, when they started filming, mm-hmm. I forget the guy's name, was, was one guy. Okay. And they chose him because he also did Blade Runner. Oh. And they wanted bright, the director wanted bright colors and, and, you know, a real intense, like, color palette and eye-popping mm-hmm. cinematography throughout the movie. Okay. Okay. After they filmed that scene and a couple weeks into shooting, one of the producers, or the producer, or one of the producers replaced that guy with this other cinematographer. Huh. And everybody was upset. The crew was upset. The director was upset. But they replaced this the other guy who shot the rest of the movie in this kind of flat kind of color palette which somebody in one thing said made it kind of campy i don't get that out of it but you can definitely see the two distinct different styles now it does it's not distracting because it's the bar scene right and you're in a bar that always does have kind of neon and a smoky atmosphere and the band's playing and the music so it doesn't really look like it's shot by two different guys but you can kind of see it, though. And yeah. if you think about it, the way the camera moves, too, it's a little different than the rest of the yeah. film. But it'd be interesting to see how that guy would have shot the rest of the film. Yeah, that would be interesting. I, I think it no would have wo- you know, woken up some of those scenes I'm talking about, like when they're in the lab and all that, where it's just kind of like, eh. The surroundings are kind of eh. Yeah. But the actors are making it enjoyable. You yeah, know? yeah. I know when we were watching one of the extras, the director was on and he said that people ask him all the time, you know, or they tell him all the time that the the plot's confusing and there's so many plot holes or plot problems or whatever. And they talk about Penny versus Peggy Uh and how come Penny doesn't know she had a sister. But, you know, when we were watching it again today, I was trying to keep that in mind because we watched the extras first. And, well, 
she didn't know she had a sister because she was adopted by a different family. For some reason, they were separated. So I don't yeah, see how we, that's a we plot never know point. why they were separated. Well, no, we don't know yeah. why, but I mean that happens, and so yeah. that's why she doesn't know she has a sister. Yeah. I mean, it's just it was just a thought. Well, that like, why like are people saying, giving that? A, there's little things you got to pay attention yeah. to that if you're if you're not paying attention, you miss those little bits. Yeah. Now, speaking of the bar scene, there's something I need to bring up because it's very important. The license plate on the jet car reads Rocket 88. Yes. And you see the 88 or the double B, whatever you want to right. call it, throughout the movie Yeah. symbol. Rocket 88, there's two different things about, about that. Supposedly, the Rocket 88 was an Oldsmobile model uh, equipped with a Rocket V8 engine. Oh. One of the uh, considered the first muscle car. I have to look that up to verify that, but <laughs> <laughs> but also Rocket eighty eight was a um, R and B song recorded in nineteen fifty one by Jackie Brinston and his Delta Cats. Okay, now it's very important this song because it's like, really it's considered by a lot of people to be the first rock and roll song, and it's really uh, <laughs> it's really interesting because I was driving around one day. Like I do. Now, I never knew this, that the song was, you know, related to the movie. And I'm listening to the uh, the WFOS, you know, the local. local station that plays oldies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden that song comes on and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool. And it gets to that part. And I'm like, that's Booker Banzai. That's the song. That's the song for the bar. What the hell? And <laughs> so they say what the song was when they go off and I get home and I, I look it up. And it's not the same exact song, but there's a big passage in the middle of the song where in the middle of the song that they're playing, the Hong Kong Cavaliers are playing when the saxophones are that. That's from Rock. That's boom. That is from the song oh. Rocket 88. So that was a really neat little kind of tribute, you know, or whatever. That's cool. They did. So they used it. It was kind of all on purpose. I like it. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was really cool to, uh, to find that out. But it was, it was wild to be driving around, not even thinking about Buckaroo Bonsai and all of a sudden that pops up. You yeah. Know? <laughs> that's cool. I love the little things they do, like when they they're walking through the <laughs> yeah, the thing, and the guy says, uh, "What's with the watermelon?" I'll tell you later. I'll tell you later. And he never they tells never you. mention it yeah, again. Never mention it again. I want to know why there was a watermelon too. Well, you're gonna have <laughs> well, to go, never gonna know. You're gonna have to go on the internet, I guess. They don't mention it in the book, do they? And so will all of you that are listening. <laughs> uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I told you how long it's been since I read that book. <laughs> I should go. I should go do a Google search and see if somebody does know what the watermelon was all about. It's probably somewhere. <laughs> you know, this is actually this movie. Actually, you know how Phantasmo uh, with Cult Cinema Explosion when Jim and I started, we uh, he started calling us Team Phantasmo. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where it comes it's from. Comes is Team from Bonsai. This. Yeah. Well, yeah, we talk about how hard is it to explain to explain a lot, but how much, you know, we, we love the movie. Mm-hmm. Why do you love the movie? Aha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been saying all along why I love the movie. Yeah. Um, I love the characters. I love the people who play the characters. I love the way they play the characters. The yeah. story is fun. I mean, it's just, it's just all good. Do you I remember mean, the first time that you, that you watched the movie? No, I don't. I don't remember the first time. I remember seeing. I watched ads it with you it. the first time I saw it. Oh, okay, I remember seeing ads for it when it first came out, and curious about it, and like ads in comic books too, like the mm-hmm. poster, and curious about it, but not really that interested at the time because I was, you know, I was a kid. Yeah. Because it wasn't Star Wars. Yeah, there wasn't space. It wasn't. It didn't look. There wasn't enough about it for me to get it. That the advertising wasn't enough to draw my interest. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that was the failing of it for when it came out is it didn't have enough oomph 
the poster was kind of blah, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't exciting. Uh, and I don't remember any trailers or anything back mm-hmm. then, so I couldn't tell you about that. Right. Uh, so I didn't see it till much later on VHS. Now, when I did finally see it, I loved it. Yeah, yeah. You know, of course, I always have had a fondness for that, the pulp characters and things like that, and right. still do. But, you know, it, it has, like we said, elements of action adventure, elements of science fiction. And I know you come from, I don't know, so much a background, but you love science fiction, Star mm-hmm. Trek and all that stuff. Yep. And Star Wars. So that part of it, I guess, probably kind of appeals and maybe drew you in a little bit. Oh, of course. I mean, I... I watch plenty of things that aren't genre related, but oh yeah, well, it, I mean, we if it's did. genre related, I am Instantly definitely going to give attention. it a chance. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to give it a chance above anything else. But it's definitely not a space fantasy sh- movie. No, no, it's not. Oh, speaking of Star Trek, though, the uh, oh <laughs> yeah, the oscillation overthruster, which is the device that powers the jet car to go through the eighth dimension. Yes, the little prop, real small, fits in the in your hand. Yep. Very unimpressive looking little piece of machinery. Mm-hmm. You know, looks like it could come out of any engine type of thing, but it's very distinct. Yes. Shows up repeatedly in different science fiction shows. It shows up in Star Trek a few times, particularly <laughs> <laughs> season two, episode fifteen of Next Generation. It shows up, and uh, I forget what they call it in that. I don't know. They actually they give it a different name. Okay. But it shows up there, and I think you find out it shows up in Babylon 5. Yeah. An episode of Babylon 5. Yeah, I don't know what episode it was or what season it was, but Jakar hands a, a piece of, uh, I think it's a piece of the Star Fury to yeah. Garibaldi. And and yeah, it, it's the Oscillation Overthrow. I don't know if he says yeah. what it is, but he just hands him this piece of, of equipment. But it's yeah. shown up quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. Now, the little display that Dr. Nikita is looking at when Bucker is at the beginning, yeah, the lights it, going. that's the oscillation over thruster display, I think yeah. they call it. Isn't that almost the same display that's in the Back to the Future car? Yeah, the flux capacitor. The flux capacitor display, yeah, which was, it came out a year later, and Christopher Lloyd was in that. So. Yes, well, and I think it was the producer and oh, co-producer, yeah, yeah. maybe? Oh, probably, yeah. I can't remember exactly, but they both worked on Buckaroo before they went on yeah. to work on Back to the Future, so... That, that would explain neat. why. Well, you know, you, that happens a lot in mm-hmm. you know, movies and stuff. You know, props get reused and redressed. And you, most of the time, you don't really notice it. Yeah, well, that one was glaringly obvious. Yeah. I just found out not long ago. We Well, we ran Escape from New York mm-hmm. at the Narrow the other night mm-hmm. for Flick It Fridays. And doing a little research on that for, you know, to do the trivia questions that I did. The cityscape, the, the model of the buildings that they use for the painted for the digital display mm-hmm. that city model was reused for blade runner oh wow and redressed and added stuff all to it but that same model was used that's cool so that was kind of neat yeah oh speaking of star trek back to that a second yeah the plaque the dedication plaque on the bridge of the excelsior right has on it no matter where you go there you are yes so everybody loves buckaroo bonsai yeah. apparently well i mean and that quote has been in a lot of things no matter where you go there you are it was in mad max it was in, where else did I read that it was in? Oh, I forget now. It was in something else that was yeah. obvious. And then somebody was, was uh, doing the trolling thing online when I was doing some research. And they were saying, well, you know, Confucius said that originally. But Confucius said, wherever you go, there you are. Not no matter where you go, there oh, you are. Oh, yeah. Oh, another little interesting piece um, mm-hmm. of info. The latitude and longitude that they they're saying or call out when they're like aligning the rock. I think it's the jet car at the beginning. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that's actually the the latitude and longitude for Cape Canaveral. Yeah, when the first rocket or rocket to the moon, I guess went off. Yeah, I, I went actually online looking for a prop replica of the overthruster. I couldn't find one uh-huh. <laughs> recently. <laughs> Some guy actually made one. Uh, quite a few people made their own, but one guy made one. I was reading, and this other guy got in contact with him. We saw it on some prop forum, and he cast it and sent that guy a resin copy of it. But he didn't make them like, as far as I know, to like you know sell at conventions and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it looks like I'm gonna have to make me an oscillation overthruster from scratch. I guess you're gonna have to. <laughs> are you doing just the hunk of metal, or are you doing the no, display? no, just the, just the piece. You want just the display the, thing? No, the, the little triangle thing. No, I just want the. The little, the, you know, you want the itself, actual equipment, the overthruster thing, just set it on a shelf. <laughs> if anybody recognizes it, you know, I'm sure somebody will. Oh, oh, we were talking about the flux capacitor earlier. I forgot yeah. to mention that the, um, you know, the DeLorean had to get up to 88 miles an hour. Oh, yeah. yeah. In order for that to work. So Rocket 88. There's another 88. Another nod to wink to Buckaroo Bonsai. Yeah, there's a lot of Buckaroo Bonsai references in, in the sci fi world. Apparently, in a lot of Star Trek episodes, not a lot of episodes, but a few episodes, they refer back to. Something in Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah. Oh, another thing, too, that um, a lot of people probably don't know, but the scene in the bar where they're playing, you know, the band's playing, mm-hmm. most of the people playing, is it's an actual band playing the music. It's not a pre-recorded stuff. Oh, okay. The Hong Kong Cavaliers up front. Were any of them playing? I don't know if any of them were playing. Ah. It looks like a couple of more, but Peter Weller actually was playing. Oh, yeah? And the lead solo, Okay. that's all him playing. He, oh, wow. Yeah, he made that up and was playing it all cool. himself. Good for so, him. He really is Dr. Bonzo. <laughs> he really is. Yeah. Didn't you say that he actually got a oh, degree yeah. Yeah, got in a, astrophysics or, or something? Or something, some kind of big science degree. Like, I don't know if astrophysics or nuclear technology or something. He got some kind of scientist degree, <laughs> you know, in between doing movies and stuff. And Kevin Smith was interviewing him after showing Buckaroo Banzai. And he said, you know, what have you been doing? And he said, oh, I got this degree, blah, blah, And Kevin Smith said just what I said. Oh, yeah. You really are Buckaroo Bonsai. <laughs> All he's got to do is go out and you know, have some adventures now. <laughs> there you go. That's the thing with, with this movie. Since you jump right into the middle of a story and into the middle of a life, essentially. Yeah. You know, you certainly don't need to know anything that came before because you the story you get is complete. You know, you have all you need to know. Oh, yeah. But I sure would love to know how he got to be who he is, you know. Yeah. I want to see a story of Buckaroo Banzai before anybody knew who Buckaroo Banzai was. Well, they they give you that little little text at the beginning. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean that I That says I wanted... he was when he was 5, he did this and then he went on to med school and he got bored mm-hmm. being just a uh nu- uh not nuclear medicine, a neurosurgeon. Right. So he traveled the world to study all the different martial arts he could and to pick up and learn different Different things, different yeah. things about science and yeah. everything, you know. Well, yeah, I mean, I get that he he did those things from the beginning, but how did he come to be respected by the president? How did he develop a fan club across the world? How did he get, you know what I mean? Because he's just that smart. I get that. And he's just that cool and he smart has that ass. kind of charisma. <laughs> well, when you think about it, he, you know, he dabbles in so much. The medical community knows him as a neurosurgeon. Right. You know, and he's world-class martial artist, so he probably competed. Yeah, maybe, you know, maybe. Got a little notoriety for that. He has a band that, you know, everybody tours and plays, so everybody knows him music. Yeah. And then did he, he helped did out. He, he probably fix other crises before this. Oh, of course he did. You know he did. <laughs> well, and he got no, a little notoriety for that. Well, then somebody <laughs> decided, hey, let's make a comic book of this guy, you know? So every little piece built the... It would take a, a dozen movies 
I'm totally yeah, down with that. Or at least a half a dozen to, to build that story right. You know? I would love that. Although, you know, at this point, I guess we can't have our original cast do it. No, no, they're all Which would be sad. Uh, <laughs> still, though, it'd be cool. It'd be, it would be. It, to do it right, I don't think they could do it right today. Um, I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I agree. Well, because too many movies today, are, yeah. it, they're too big and over the top. Yeah, it doesn't need and, to be. And it's like, how many more? And somebody said this to me. This was the other night, talking about Escape from New York, mm-hmm. before it came on. One of the guys... Said they'd never seen it before, and they watched it not long ago. They thought it was like an action-adventure movie. Hmm. Escape from New York is, but it's not. And this guy said he was expecting a lot of big explosions and and a, you know, a lot of intense action and all this stuff going on. He said it really doesn't have much action in it. I said, well, it's got a bit of action in it. I said, but it's it's intense. It's kind of a smoldering you know, action movie where it's not suspenseful, but it's got this intensity going on throughout the movie and these little snippets of action happening Mm -hmm. around right but man escape from new york is one of those movies i love that movie and i'll watch that over a dozen of these movies that have this the world's ending and everything's exploding and buildings are falling down and has you know 20 fight scenes in the movie and all this yeah because well i'm always about i'm i'm way more about good story good characters yeah and watching all that unfold than I am about explosions. Now, don't get me wrong. I love some good explosions, and I love a good fight Oh, scene, yeah. Well, I like sitting down with some popcorn and just going with the flow of the movie, and yeah. over the top is fun sometimes, but... Yeah. No, it makes me sound like I'm all about dramas. I freaking hate dramas, so don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> no, think that. But movies like but... this, where the action is part of the story, yeah, and exactly. not just for the sake of having it, yeah. where it kind of moves the story along a little more, makes it that... It just works better to me, I think, you know, yeah. and I'm, I remember it because there's, God, I can't even, well, I can't remember them, but there's quite a few movies that we've seen that were those, the be all and end all, the biggest thing happening and all these explosions, I keep saying explosions, and what all the stuff the, going the on. the rash of the end of the world movies, that whole, remember there were oh, a ton of those geez. all at once? Uh, you know, I could, I could give a shit if I ever see another one of those. Well, I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Those. A lot of those. And, and stuff like that. Once it's over, you don't really remember much about it. Yeah. But things like Buck Rubons, I stick with you forever. And you, and you go back to them and want to watch them again yeah. and again. And like I said, this is one of those movies that if you haven't seen it, definitely give it a watch and you're either going to love it and want to watch it again or you're going to be like, eh, it didn't, you know, eh, it didn't work Not my me. thing. It was boring. Yeah. I didn't like it. But it's not one of those like, God, this sucks. I'm never going to watch this again. <laughs> of course, there probably are some people like that. But yeah. I've, I haven't really heard that. Like we, I think we said that earlier. Well, I am very curious. If there's anybody that actually listens to this and has never seen Buckaroo Bonsai before, if you watch it, I want to know what you think. Oh, yeah. Definitely drop us a line on the uh, Facebook page there, the Phantasma After Dark Facebook page. Leave a comment or something. Love to hear what you thought of, of it. Please Especially do. if you've never seen it before. Yeah, Like it, hate it. I want to know what you think because uh, I, I love Buckaroo and I just want to hear. And on the same note, if you have seen it before and you love it, drop us a line there yeah, too. It's always cool, to, always cool to talk to people that like this kind of stuff, you know. Be cool if we show this at the Narrow sometime. Uh, well, it's it's on the list. They've mentioned it. So yeah, it we might. may be so, showing it at the Narrow It soon. might. I hope. It might. Crush fingers. So was there any other merchandising at all for this? As far as I know, there wasn't really. I mean, there was some little giveaways. I think there was a headband like he wears at the beginning of the movie and some buttons and the Marvel Comics tie-in. Hmm. Uh, there was a poster 
And there's a current set of comics out, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. Is it Dynamite or not Dynamite? Some independent company has put out a couple of miniseries. Mm-hmm. Does it take place after the movie? Oh, or yeah. Is, yeah. It is after. Yeah. It's not the World Crime League. No, it's just different adventures. Okay. And they're okay, but the art, like a, a lot of comics today, the art's okay. It's just not not a lot of real dynamic artists out there, you know, that are There's some. really interesting. Well, I said not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, the, the comics, I've got most of them because it's Buckery Bonsai, but nothing really sticks out. It makes me, I don't remember much about them. Mm-hmm. So. Gotcha. Well, there was this one little item that came out. And you can find it on eBay now and again. I should have got it when I saw it a couple weeks ago or a couple months ago, because the ones that are on there now are over a hundred dollars or more. Mm-hmm. But it was this little tin with little metal scenery, and it. it had to uh, what was supposed to be the jet car. You wind it up, and it just keeps going around in a circle in this thing. Oh, like some old tin toy from the '60s or the '50s, you huh. know. But it came out for Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, it would be really neat to have. Far as I know, that's the only other thing that huh. ever came out. I don't know where it came out. I don't know when it came out. You know what for? Where you could get it at the time? Right. But it's just odd. That is odd. Know? I'd like to see that. You now you remember when we showed this at the first Phantasmo? <laughs> yes. Uh, the first couple of years of Phantasmo, we were doing that. We tried to do a lot of gimmicky stuff. Yeah, when we had a budget. When we had a budget, yeah, to to make it fun for people to come. To, to the event. Yeah, not just watch the movie. Yeah, and people could be a part of the show. And it was a lot of fun. For Buckaroo Banzai, there's the scene where the, the aliens have given Banzai and this team this, more or less, a record. Yeah. It's like a digital hologram thing. Yeah. But to v- view it, you have to wear this mask, this special mask that they gave. They sent a bunch with the record. And the mask, all it is, is a piece of bubble wrap cut in a mask shape with clear windows cut out of it for go over your eyes. Well, we showed it at Phantasmo. I made up, what, I made 50 of those, 100 of those? Something like that, yeah. And we gave them out at the door to people who were coming in. And a lot of people knew what it was. Some people didn't. And we told them, just wait, you'll see the part in the movie. And when that part of the movie came on, every p- person in the audience put them on. <laughs> I guess expected it to be like 3D, like it was gonna, <laughs> like it was going to work and do something. But it was just so cool to see everybody put those things on. They did nothing, of course. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere we have a picture. Do we have a picture of that still somewhere? Ah, oh, we might. If you have it, we'll have to put yeah. it on the and Facebook you know, I, page. I might have a couple of those left up in the attic in a box somewhere. <laughs> Our bubble wrap masks. Yeah. But that was neat. So that merchandise was out. Yeah. <laughs> That's Our bo- very bootleg own. fan merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of fun, though. What was the sequel that they said? Oh, at the end of the movie, you get uh, Buckaroo Banzai Returns and Buckaroo Banzai versus the World Crime League. Right. And Which we've never seen it, never, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it, some people say it was supposed to be a sequel. It was planned to be a sequel if the movie did good. Yeah. And then some people say that it was just put there as just kind of a to let you know that in addition to you came in the middle of the story, there's stories after this too. Right. In the book, the World Crime League is led by Hanoi Zahn. Mm-hmm. And you get a little background on that too. Gotcha. Yeah. I think uh, Hanoi Zahn or Sean was, he killed, he was the guy that, killed Buckaroo's parents. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. Yeah, and Penny, uh, not Penny, but Peggy Pretty. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. He was supposed and to be, Peggy, yeah. Peggy Pretty was Buckaroo's wife, which is... Earlier in the history, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for we didn't go into this, but Peggy was his wife, and then when he meets Penny by chance in this bar, yeah. they're identical twins, yeah. but they 
Penny didn't know that. She had been separated at birth, I guess. Yeah. So, of course, he's immediately drawn to her, and yeah. uh, she gets sucked into the story, too. But his parents, though. Yeah, but his parents, they had filmed some um, like yeah. home video stuff to show. Yeah, well, the home movies. Yeah, well, that's what I meant. Uh, that was going to be the opening of the film. Yeah. And they decided not to use that, and the only thing you actually see of... And why did they decide not well, to I'll, use I'll get it, Well, I'll that in a second. <laughs> but in the... In the actual movie you'll see he has a picture of his parents on the dash of the jet car right and you can hardly tell by looking at that but jamie lee curtis is buckaroo's mom in that picture and in the home movies they filmed it's obvious you can see her in that Mm -hmm. now if you watch the extras on the blu-ray it's awesome because the director wd richter talks as though he is at the bonsai institute and they're letting him show some of dig dug in the archives and show some of the actual pieces that they base their props of on for the movie the docudrama mm-hmm. called a buckaroo bonsai right you know, across the eighth dimension as though buckaroo was real yeah which is it's awesome it is very cool. and uh the reason they cut he said he says but the reason they cut that home movie section is because it reminded buckaroo bonsai too much of his parents dying and to see the movie watch the movie you know, he would see his parents over and over and bother him. So he asked them to, to take to cut that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they show in that home movie part, the, um, the part where his parents are testing their version of that jet car yeah, from the fifties. The the, yeah. Car, the original and jet and car. the, uh, the explosion. Well, they, it explodes off screen obviously, but there's an explosion that kills his parents. And they learn later that, that, um, Hanoi son or however you say yeah. his name is, was behind the explosion. So he killed his parents. Yep. So I wonder how come he hasn't tried to kill Buckaroo yet. Or maybe he has, and we just don't know. Oh, you'll have to read the book. I guess. (laughs) Man, you know, I I don't really know much more to say about this movie. Uh, I could go through and give a lot of minute details, you know, out of IMDb or Wikipedia or do, you know. Oh, you didn't talk about any of the alien makeup or anything, though. Oh, that was Berman. Uh, I did the makeup for that, the alien makeup. And it's it's, it's cool. It's nice looking. Yeah. Nice looking. Alien, uh, headpiece and chin piece with the mouth, you know, so the actor can use their own mouth. Mm-hmm. And they can only afford to have Berman himself there one day or one or two days, I think. Yeah. To do the application of the makeup. So there's a couple of scenes. Well, I think it was the electroids that are sitting on the high chairs and all are the ones that he did. And they're more expressive. Yeah. And the other scenes of the electroids not quite as expressive but mm-hmm. yeah, I, you don't really notice it because they're moving around you know and the action's going on yeah so he was talking about that in the extras and you can't you can't really it doesn't hurt it at all I don't think no I don't you don't think really so. notice that they're not as expressive yeah maybe if they had a lot of close-ups and had more dialogue or you know while that was going on maybe right but it, they're a nice little makeup. The red electroids and the black electroids look virtually it's virtually the same, except the coloring. Yeah, and their unique fashion sense, <laughs> <laughs> right? And all of their fun names. Of course, they all had. Yeah, they're all named John first something. name John, and then different last names instead of the other way around. Big Boutte, <laughs> John Big Boutte, John Yaya, John Smallberries, <laughs> John Warfin. Another uh, you know quirky characteristic of the movie there. Yes. Also, too, now if you go online and you do a little searching with pictures and stuff, you can see a lot of promotional pictures. But I saw some like different wardrobe test pictures hmm. for Buckaroo and Penny and 
Lithgow, Lizardo. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you're going to put them on the Facebook yeah, page. Yeah, I'll definitely put those up. Penny is the most drastic changes hmm. they did. Different hairstyles and totally different kind of outfit designs, hmm. which would have really, I think, changed her character, the way she played the character. Buckaroo, just a, not much different, but more of a different, you know, different jackets, things. And Lizardo, most of the shots are with Lithgow's own hair, not that crazy out red wig. I say red, not like Bozo red, but, you know, just regular red hair, but it's all kind of teased out. And there's one shot where he's wearing like a bowler. <laughs> yeah, looking kind of, got suspenders looking kind of sharp. The jet car, backing up here a little bit, talking about the jet <laughs> car and the props and things, is another thing that's really kind of unimpressive in its design, but it's supposed to be. It's supposed to look like they just hobbled it together from different parts, which is what they did. Yeah. It is kind of funny to me that that thing, they built this thing to go 500 miles an hour, and it's supposed to be the fastest vehicle ever built. Yeah, because it has a... A jet engine. <laughs> right. <laughs> but the front of it is like a Ford pickup. Right. It's not yeah. aerodynamic at all. <laughs> I mean, not even a little bit. It's very chunky. Hey, so, hey <laughs> Ford trucks are tough. <laughs> right. That's funny. <laughs> I love the I love the the trailer or whatever they did, that little extra oh. thing. Yeah, on the Blu-ray there's yes. this extra there's this jet car trailer. Yeah. Which looks like a trailer for a sequel. Or something. Yeah, it's like an animated. Yeah, thing. it's like a computer animated, but it's really cool it with the jet cool. car. There's a couple of scenes where it's like, eh, you know, okay. The, but the last one. Yeah, there's a scene where these alien ships are like chasing them. He goes through the mountain and they crash into the mountain. It's like, ha ha ha, you know. And a couple other little scenes. But then, then the last little bit is shows the jet car going 500 miles an hour down the, like a, I don't know if it's a desert or runway strip. It's just a straight And then you see yeah. the space shuttle coming down. Yeah. Coming over top of it. And you Atlantis. get a side view and you see. The front landing, landing gear, gear is gone. It's torn off. And the, just the two back wheels are like, ah. And the jet car is lining up and the, the shuttle's lining up and the, the nose of the shuttle down on the jet car. Yeah. And so that's they how they land safely. Yeah, that was just pretty cool. <laughs> that was neat. That would have been a neat beginning. Yeah, that would <laughs> have know? been really cool. But we had to get introduced to the jet car for the plot about the overthruster Indeed. to be or the subplot. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. I like that a lot. It's it's fun. It's a really enjoyable, fun movie. But you do have to pay attention to what's going on. There's lots of little things, like we said. And uh, yeah, I mean, they do throw out random bits of kind of important information yeah. in kind of throwaway comments. At least it feels like a throwaway comment. Yeah. So if you don't pick up on it, you really do wonder yeah. later how the hell did that happen? You know. So. And I like the I like the fact too about the characters. We keep going back to that. You get. You do get a sense that these guys have been together for a long time. Mm-hmm. They know each other. They trust each other. They don't have to think about it. You know, they each mm-hmm. have their their specialities, and Buckaroo knows this, and they know that, and they yeah yeah they're not they just know a their team. job yeah they're yeah. family they're not just yeah a team. exactly and that does come across yeah definitely yeah which is really cool yeah yeah I say you know if you've never seen it get it you know rent it buy it get the Blu-ray check it out it's a lot of fun. And by the end of the movie, ending credits, you're going to want your own theme song so you can oh, walk down the street too. Yeah. the ending, Oh, that's the best part. <laughs> they're, they're all walking and coming up in the line and the, the theme, the Buckaroo Banzai music. Which is great music. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. The music for this is awesome.
Yeah, you are going to walk, you know, get a bunch of friends and walk down the street in formation to this, yes. this, this theme. <laughs> I randomly change your outfit. Like, yeah, <laughs> perfect Tommy. <laughs> perfect Tommy. This those little things I want to know about more than his background. <laughs> yeah, why'd they change their clothes? Yeah, those little details. <laughs> but yeah, Amazon is. I swear, I got the Blu-ray. Easy to get. Available. Go out, get it, watch it, and tell us what you thought. Indeed. Yeah. And oh yeah, and I'll put put up a ton of pictures as the episode is going up on the Facebook page and throw the trailer up there and any other little interesting bits I can find yep, of yep. stuff. Indeed. Well, I guess that's about all I've got. Yeah. Yeah. I can't think of anything else except just regurgitating what we've said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just a... Uh, and gushing over how much we like it. Yes. So two two things before we end. One, we didn't actually do a review of MarsCon, so just a, oh, yeah. a quick... Well, I mean... There's not a whole lot to say because we were kind of stuck in the dealer's room the whole time. Yeah. But we got to see some of our friends we don't get to see very often. So hello to all you guys if you're listening. Yeah. MarsCon is the Relaxicon convention that's been held in Williamsburg, Virginia for, what, 20 years now? Over yeah, 20 over years. Over 20 years, yeah. Over 20 years. And it's really just a fantastic, laid-back, well-run smooth smoothly run convention mm-hmm. yep well done uh it's not one that Good has job, guys. a lot of big guest stars you know guest names and which is kind of cool because then that's you don't have to deal with that yeah you know you yeah. just they get some small guests yeah they get you some know, small but, but they like authors good. and artists type things but yeah. it's kinda, it's for me it's kind of cooler because you know you don't have the big lines of stuff and it's just yeah. everybody just comes to have a good time and hang out and party yeah. and Walk around in costume and, you know, and like I say, visit with friends. You only get to see about once a year. Yeah, yeah. We so, always do some panels. Yeah, we do some presentations, give some talks on cult movies and stuff. And they were really well attended this year. Yeah, yeah. Had a lot of fun. And it was good seeing everybody. And I'm, I'm looking forward to next year. Yes, so, indeed. Yeah, Me too. good job, MarsCon staff. Right on. Just wanted to throw that out there. So if you're uh, anywhere near Williamsburg, Virginia next year in January, I don't know the exact date yet. Uh, you should look into going because yeah. it was a lot of fun. They should have stuff online in a couple months, I think. Yep. Yes, yeah. indeed. And then right lastly, on. Rob. What's last? What's last? <laughs> how does, who should I use? Okay, while she's thinking, real quick for briefly for people who've never listened before, <laughs> we do this little game at the end of most episodes where I have to relate something from the topic we're talking about back to Planet of the Apes. We discovered, uh, my buddy Clayton and I discovered many, many years ago that the world revolves around Planet of the Apes, and you can connect anything back to Planet of the Apes in a few steps. We discovered this long before the Kevin Bacon game came about, so we were first. Anyway. All right, this is probably way too easy, but I've never used him before, and I love him, so how does Clancy Brown relate oh, to Planet of the Apes? I thought you were going to say Serena. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Clancy Brown, back to Planet of the it's Apes. It's going to be super easy, I'm sure. Oh, Clancy's well. done tons. Yeah. I mean, you know, you take Clancy Brown and you go to Highlander and you take Highlander. Let's see. How do I want to go there? I mean, Sean Connery's obvious. Right. Take Sean Connery. This could be stre- going this way, could be stretching it, but it's kind of fun. Take Sean Connery to Star Trek V. They wanted him for the role of Cybok. Yeah. And, you know, they go to the planet Shakari. <laughs> yeah. That was a play on his name. I won't go that way. That's no, because he wasn't actually in it. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. Clancy Brown. I'm trying to think of the most direct way. <laughs> okay. Here you go. You'll like this. Okay. Clancy Brown was on that show, Earth 2. Yeah. Tim Curry guested on that show a couple episodes. Okay. Tim Curry goes to Rocky Horror. 
Right. Okay. Then you can take Rocky Horror to what? Richard O'Brien to Shock Treatment Mm -hmm. to Jessica Harper to Family of the Paradise to Paul Williams to Battle for the Planet of the Apes. (laughs) I like Uh that way. That was a good way. There you go. You're welcome. I thought you'd like that one. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, That's about all, I guess, for this one then because we did the Planet of the Apes. We're done. Right on. Okay. Well, until next time, everybody. Remember, no matter where you go, there you are.